Good afternoon, everyone. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Welcome back. Welcome back to the Porsche Cool Podcast, the podcast where we chat about, talk about all things Porsche. Uh, my name is Michael Bath. If you haven't been here before, if you have been here before, welcome. If you haven't been here before, welcome. This is, like I said, this is Porsche Cooled Owner Stories, um, and we're up to number 27 today. We're up to Porsche Cooled Owner Stories number 27. It feels like not that long ago when I was chatting to Nick from the UK on Owner Stories number one. So we've had some great stories through this series. Uh, there's a lot more to come, actually. I've got a lot of people, and I keep saying there's a lot more people to get through, a lot more Porsche owners to get through uh, from all parts of the world, uh, all parts of the world. Today's a good one, though, because I have um, John coming on the podcast, and John is from Norway. And John is basically coming on because, you know, in a previous episode, I mentioned that, you know, we're on the charts in Norway. I think we're in the top five. It could have even been number two in Norway or number one in Norway. Um, and I haven't had anyone from Norway on the show, on the podcast. So um, John reached out to me by DM and said, I'll be on the podcast. Um, you know, I think I can talk about my, my Porsche, Porsche story. Um, and I said, fantastic. And so it's taken us a little while, but we managed to get it together. We've organized it. Uh, so John's going to connect with me very shortly by Zoom. And we're going to talk about his Porsche Cooled Owner story. So let me just get connected and let's get John through Zoom, from Norway, talking about his Porsche 911. Okay, welcome back, everyone. Welcome back to Owner Stories. Uh, like I said, I always forget these numbers, but we're up to number 27. And today we are joined by John, and John is from Norway. And I, I'm excited to talk to John, which I kind of said in the introduction, because uh, John kind of reached out to me through Instagram uh, when I mentioned that I think the Porsche Cool podcast was in the charts in Norway. I just checked this morning, actually. I think it's about number 20 to 20 this week in, in Norway on the Apple Automotive charts. So I'd like you to welcome John. Hi, John. How are you? Hello, Michael. I'm good. And you? Very well. Very well. Um, so I guess being in Norway, it's probably snowing at the moment, right? No, actually not. It's uh, The winter is starting to let go now uh we have had like winter since october so maybe a little bit different than you're used to in uh, both bahrain and australia but uh we have like winter six months of the year oh, okay. so uh, so having a car hobby isn't ideal but <laughs> <laughs> we, we manage we manage <laughs> so so i haven't haven't been driving like anything since uh, early October, but uh, now it's uh, it's warm outside. The snow is melting, and maybe in a month's time we can start enjoying our cars again. So oh, fan really fantastic! Look, really look forward to it. Fantastic! So your car is basically in storage at the moment. It's sort of just sitting there waiting, waiting for the better weather. Yeah, it's under uh, like a cover for six months, and it's it's local, so I can go look at it and do small things. But it's not like having it at home in your garage. So yeah, it's kind of nice when it's in your garage, isn't it? Where you can just go out and just check on it, and make sure everything's okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's it would be would would been ideal, but I think for six months, I think it's easy to get tired of just looking at it. Like yeah. if you can see it each day, it's it's maybe it could become a problem that you're maybe tired of it before <laughs> you're taking it out. So maybe, maybe. All right, John. Let's let let's let's get into the first question or the first. Let's get yeah. into the first thing that I always like to ask everyone that's been on owner stories. And you know, we've had we've had owners on here from so many different parts of the world. You're the first owner we've had from 
from Norway. We're the first. Actually, I haven't had anyone from the Nordic countries at all. At all. So you're the first owner. Uh, you've got a really good car. Um, everyone's going to know what it is by the title, but I want you to introduce it shortly. But before we get into that, let's let's go back to those first memories. The question I always like to know because I always remember my, <coughs> I always remember what my first memories were of the 911 uh, and how long it took me before I could actually purchase one. So. What are your memories of of Porsche of 911? Did it did it start with a, a dream of owning a 911 or a Porsche, or did it just start from loving cars in general? How did you get into into Porsche? From the early start, it was just my love love of cars. Really, uh, I always been around them. Uh, my father worked with cars, and I always I always followed him where he was, and uh, you get like always seeing cars around and it's it's taking over your life and interest so i was uh, from the early start i was like uh, drawing cars and when i could afford i was starting buying car magazines in a very young age and when when you're starting reading car magazine in a young age you always like see the porsches uh, yeah they they always stand out and I, th- I really think there's there's there were where it started from the beginning. Uh, but my road to a Porsche is very long because I'm almost forty years now, and uh, <laughs> that's a lot of car magazines to read <laughs> <laughs> in those years. So, but uh, I think I was about nine, nine or ten years old. Um, and always after, um, if either me or my sister had been like ill for a couple of weeks or something, uh, and when we got better again, as an encouragement, uh, our father always took us to the toy store. Okay. And when I was, I think I was 10, uh, uh, and I had been sick, so... After that, you know, you're getting something nice. So we went to the toy store and when I came inside, I just saw one single thing I wanted. Uh, I think it's maybe was a little bit more expensive than my father had (laughs) planned. But (laughs) (laughs) so we went home with a Rubystone Red uh, 118 Burago 964. Fantastic. And that's my first... Porsche. So, so, that's, uh, so that's where it began. So you've got the you've got the the ruby stone. Ruby stone being one of my favorite colors, and also the color I use for Porsche cooled on Instagram. That's why I always have that sort of color because of the ruby stone, which I think is such a it's such an iconic color in the nine six four, isn't it? it? Really, when you think of nine six four, you think of ruby stone. So yeah, it's 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 quite for men. It's quite marmite that color, but. When you look at it on the nine six four, it's just it just fit like it's perfect. Yeah, so. it really does. It really does. So you're looking at all the magazines, John. You're looking at all the magazines. You're seeing all these cars, nine elevens, and obviously a lot of other cars as well. Uh, yeah. You're getting the toys. You're getting you know you're getting inspired. Um, what? Let, we're going to jump way forward now. When you when you yeah. start, you know where you live actually, where you live in Norway. Were there a lot of 911s in the area where you lived? Did you see a lot of them on the road? Were there were there neighbors that owned them or friends, parents that owned them? Or was it a rare occurrence? 
uh, I live in quite a small town in uh, about an hour away from the capital, Oslo. Uh, and where I'm from, it's it's not been like a big Porsche community. Uh, and I don't I, I think about it, but I, I don't remember almost seeing any Porsches local uh, in my youth. Uh, so when I really saw Porsches live the first time, I think it was when we went for vacations and uh, and the cars that really caught my attention then was, of course, the Porsches. And yeah. Yes, it's, it stands out like it was the sports car. Yes. Yeah, because the silhouette, the look, it's... It's so unique. It's not. It's nothing like it on the road that looks like it, and with the special boxer sound. And no, it's. I think it's always been there uh, yeah. in my mind, but uh, I've not really been. Uh, I've not really thought about it since my later years. I think, but it's always been there. Okay, so. <clears throat> A little bit like me. When I was younger, I lived in a country town in Australia and there were really no nice cars. No one had nice cars. They had a local car called Holden's and everyone had, you know, everyday sort of cars, you know, cheaper cars. It was very rare that you'd see a nice car. Um, and for me, it was like this thing where I used to sit by the main freeway, the main road on my bicycle and I'd watch and I'd sit yeah. there on Sundays. And I've said this story before and I'd watch all the cars go by. Um, and that's how I got to see like exotic cars you know every now and again i might yeah. see a lamborghini because it was the main road from the coast back to sydney so a lot of people had to go through our town to get back to sydney um so it was always like i remember as a kid it was always exciting so it, 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 the influences you know the influences are always are not always like in front of us but with the passion still grows so you're growing up you start to get your first job yeah. What is the first car you decide that you, you know the first real car you think okay I, I'm going to buy this car? What was the car you first first purchased? Uh, the first car is not so worthy I mentioned, but uh, I, I actually bought my first car when I was like 14, 15 years old, okay. <laughs> and and we start to drive at 18 in Norway. So <laughs> oh okay, I, I jumped the gun there. But uh, when I was 19, I had started working. Um, as a car mechanic um, so that was my job for many years uh, so the first like expensive car I got was in the year was 2002 and I bought a Nissan uh, 200SX S13 so okay and that was back then it was like it was the dream car I was looking for for some years, and uh, I re finally I could afford one. So I'm familiar. I'm familiar with the shape, and I yeah. I have a even in Australia. I think they were quite sought after those cars. There were quite there was quite a following for them. Was there? Wasn't there for the 200 SX? Is it? Yeah, in uh, like euro uh, europe and uh, many other countries they call 200 sx uh, in the states they are 240 sx and okay. uh, in australia and asia japan they called 180 sx so 180 sx yeah okay yeah. and okay. quite an iconic car for its time and starting to 
be a classic now. So, okay, so you had the Nissan. Uh, you've got like a you know a, a sporty type car. It is a sports sort of car. Um, it does have you know that driving. The driving dynamics that you know you're getting into. Um, you're a mechanic. Are you? Are you still? I know you. Uh, are you still a mechanic today, or are you? You're not a mechanic anymore. Are you still working as a mechanic? No, I, I worked in the Volkswagen system for almost 15 years. Uh, okay. And then I got the opportunity to to try out new uh, new grounds and. Uh, and I changed my trade to being a salesman for um, Meguiar's Norway. Uh, okay. So, so I work at the professional level uh, as a district manager. So I follow up customers and uh, also teach them and support them uh, with our products. Oh, that's so, good. They're very good products, aren't they, Meguiar's products? I. I used to use them. I used to use Meguiar's products. I don't use them anymore. <laughs> I use. Okay, I somehow. I somehow went. In, I somehow went into another range of. There's a place in Sydney that I go to. I went into another range of car products, which I think I spend a lot more money on, and I'm not sure whether it's worth it or not. Um, you know what I mean? Um, but I know Meguiar's products are very good products. I know they're very very popular in Australia. I mean, most of the. I know yeah. a lot of Australians use Meguiar's products. They are very very strong there. The market. Um, okay, so you you're in you're in the you're in the industry, so to speak. You worked for Volkswagen. Yeah. You now work for Meguiar's. So you've got a lot of contact with cars. So your first real car was that 200 SX. Um, yeah. And I just mentioned to you before we started recording. You know, there's a lot of cars on your Instagram. Uh, I can see a lot of cars there. And there's a lot of, <laughs> it's, it's, and I'll say track focused cars. I'll say track focused cars because there's obviously a, a a passion there that you have for being on the track, for driving. Yeah. You know, driving a car to its limit and getting the most out of a car, which which comes into the car that you have today, uh, which you know you've bought. In my mind, one of the ultimate track cars. Um, so you've got the 200 SX, John. What what follows that? Um, I noticed on your Instagram you had a – when did the GTR come in? Was the GTR your car, the R34? Um, no, not the R34. Uh, that was a good friend of mine, and he's he's also a big part of the Porsche influence. Uh, but after the Nissan, uh, next on the line was a Subaru Impreza GT. Okay. Yeah, uh, and uh, that got stolen. So that's uh, <laughs> that wasn't with me as so long. But after that again, another Nissan uh, 200SX, and then came my Skyline. Uh, it was the R32 GTR. R32 GTR. Okay. Yeah, the so real Godzilla. <clears throat> so that. Was that your first real track car? Is that the car that you first sort of started taking to the track? The Not really, because I got a lot of like stick for it back in the time because I had s- such nice cars and I always focused on like the performance side of them with with uh, like the suspension, brakes, wheels, tires, engine mods. But I was so fond of my cars that I was a little bit afraid to really let go on track and use them. So, okay. so my track experience and uh, like passion, it came a little bit later. So, cause these cars was such a big, like, 
economical uh, part for me. So I really couldn't afford like going off a track and having to repair the car. So instead, I just enjoyed them on the street and. Okay, but they but they look looked very track oriented. They do, they do. So you're buying cars here. I mean, the Nissan. There's a there's a there's a trend here that you like Nissan. You like the Nissan brand at that point in time of your life. You seem to like those those uh, track focused cars that they do that the Japanese do. And yeah. they're not and they're not in. I mean, I know the GTRs. Even you know the R30. They're not cheap cars. They're they're quite expensive cars. Probably even more so today. They're probably even still kept their value. Um, yeah. So you've, you know, you've really committed to buying this car. What is, what was it about the Nissan that attracted you? Because before we get into the Porsche, what was it about Nissan that you liked about these cars that you liked? I think first uh, it was the the thing about Nissans. I think it started with uh, when the drift scene starting to appear. Okay. Uh, in the early two thousands. And then we we got this uh, <laughs> famous movies, uh, Fast and Furious movies. Yeah, influence. <laughs> so yeah, so I, so I think my first car was pretty influence influence of Fast and Furious. And uh, looking back at, back at it, it's it's not my style now, but uh, it was a part of the time then and the car scene. So uh, I'm not ashamed at all, but uh, we all. Uh, we're all getting older and uh, maturing so but it started there and just uh, escalating it's i think that's the name or word for my yeah. car hobby i start with something and then it just escalates into bigger things okay so you you're buying the nissans you've got the r30 you got the gtr the r32 yeah it's quite an expensive car you don't want to take it on the track so yeah. you enjoy that car for a few years? You own it for a few years? Almost five years, actually. Okay, so, so you must have enjoyed it a lot to keep it for that long. It must have been a great car. Yeah. So what, what happens then? What makes you get out of the, G, out of the GTR? What, what follows the GTR? Life happens. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, got, uh, I, I bought a house with my girlfriend back then. We, we got... Uh, got a child, uh, my first son, and then follows five years without really having the opportunity to to be a part of the car hobby with my own car. So in 2011, I sell the GTR and uh, okay. then follows a lot of years just being uh, a spectator. But uh, that's a lot of years uh, with spectating with my interest. So, <laughs> okay. So this is this is 2011, John. Yeah. 2011. So you, you start a family, you buy a house. I mean, we've heard th- I've heard this this same story before with other Porsche owners, where everything goes on hold in a way until life, not normality, but things start to settle down, and then you start thinking about okay, what is the next? Let's call it real car that we're going to buy. Um, yeah. So. What comes after the GTR then? Once everything family-wise has settled down and, every, and the kids have got a little bit older, what is the next car, the next real car that you, that you start to look for and, and that you purchase? Uh, my life then like 
took another route a couple of years later. Uh, we split up and uh, I then had like uh, each another week, uh, week um, for myself. Uh, I had my son, uh, 50%. And, and then I changed the work to Maguire's. Okay. And that's that allowed me to have a little more funds to getting into the car hobby again. So I had some cars, but the first real car I then bought me was a Mitsubishi uh, Evo, six okay. and a half uh, Tommy Magnan edition. So okay, another special car. So another Japanese, yeah. very special, track focused, fast enthusiast <laughs> yeah. and enthusiast car. I'm going to call it. It's very very enthusiast car. Okay, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, and in Norway, that car really is like a legend because Norway and Scandinavia is really rally orientated. I was going to say the rally history. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and we have locals rallies here, and uh, and the World Rally Championship are having uh, around in Sweden, just over the border where I live. So this car has been uh, a part of my like youth and. Uh, and Tommy Mackinnon was he was the was the boss himself, yes. uh, winning the championship four years in a row with with that exactly car. So one day owning one was a big dream of mine. Okay. Uh, so that's a that's a very special car. So what what are the main mem- what is what is your what is the main memory of that car that you have today? Because you no longer own that car, correct? You you so would have sold that car. Yeah, I sold it because I really thought that that was a car I'm going to own for many years. But uh, in a year, the year that followed, a lot of things happened with my interest because I did as I usually do with uh, the Evo, uh, upgrades. Uh, It got suspension, got brakes, got tires, got some engine mods. And uh, finally, I took my car out on track. Okay, so my first really track experience was was with the Evo, and after one day of track driving, I was hooked. So you just said before you didn't want to take the uh, GTR on the track because it was a bit special yeah. and you worried about it. So what what made you change your mind? What what was the you, you thought it doesn't matter anymore? The money doesn't matter. It doesn't, you know, I'll, I'll be covered. You know, I've got the right insurance. What was it that made you change your mind and take your car on the track? I didn't have the insurance, but I had like got older, uh, a little bit calmer, not so nervous about everything. And also, a thing that helps is when you have the funds, you, uh, <laughs> you, you, you tend to take some bigger chances. Uh, when yes. you don't have have the money for it, you you use it uh, yeah. as you can afford. So, but that one time on track with the Evo started a quite big part of my life with uh, track day driving. So, and and that car was also starting to get really old back then, like 15, 16 years, and. I knew that that car wouldn't keep up with me pushing it at track several times each summer. That's okay. It. Okay. Yeah. 
how did you um, get into it? the track, driving on a track? It takes a bit of skill. It takes a bit of practice. Did you do a course to, to learn how to drive on the track or did it just come naturally? You just did it with practice. How did you get the skills to be able to drive on the track? I think it's always been in me uh, somehow because uh, when I first started, it uh, it's all clicked together and I could manage pretty good tempo out on track. Okay. Uh, and But I've always been playing car games on both PlayStation <laughs> and uh, Xbox and you, you like have all the yeah. hours <laughs> the thing is we, we the thing is we we laugh about that right i, I i'm laughing yeah. about that but it's but it's 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 known that the more hours you spend on ps4 or whatever it is or ps5 or yeah. the, the car the car racing the car driving games you know you do actually get the experience because you know the lines you know the breaking points You know, yeah. it is just a game, but you do actually learn all those things, don't you? The correct line to go into a corner, the where to break properly, the latest point you can break and all that. I mean, obviously, it's not real life, but you do actually, you, you do start thinking about the track, don't you, from doing those games? Yeah, and and when you come there in real life, it it all comes together. You you can see why you had to break there, why you have to turn in, uh, and... My five years without any hobby car of myself was, I had a lot of hours playing video games uh, those years. And uh, so it was a pretty fresh memory uh, when I got my own car again and came out of track. So, Okay. So you, you're taking the car to the track. You're taking the Evo to the track. You're, you're, you're enjoying that car. Um, you said the car's getting a little bit old and you think that you want to change it up. So yeah. what... What becomes your next track day car? What is the next car that you want to use on the street and the track? What do you buy next? Uh, then I took a really big uh, <laughs> jump and I went and bought myself a brand new, uh, back then, 17 uh, model of uh, BMW M2. Okay, M2. Nice car. Yeah. So yeah. PDK or manual? Uh, paddles or manual? In my world, it's only one choice, and that's manual. Manual. Yeah, so it's a, quite it's a, a rare, quite a rare choice on a new M2. But yes. uh, for me, it wasn't any choice. So 2017 M2. So that's the first M2. Um, I was listening to a podcast yesterday, and they were talking about the M2. Actually, I think it might have been uh, Johnny Lieberman on um, Spike. Spikes Car Radio or Matt Farah's podcast. And they were saying that they think that the first M2 had the much better sound than the newer models. Like the sound of the first generation M2 was just was pretty special, especially in manual. Um, and then they were talking about the M2 competition and the M2 competition CS or whatever it is and how that, that, that M2 from 2017 is such a fantastic, uh, fantastic car. So how was the experience with the um, buying a brand new M2 So you bought another. You bought a brand new car. You're taking it to the track. How was your experience with the M2 compared to the um, compared to the Evo? The the way that the M2 ha happened was uh, that in, in the middle of the summer, me and a friend of mine went to Germany to uh, the famous uh, Nurburgring Nordschleife with his brand new M4. Oh, okay. Yeah, and. 
this is my friend that also uh, had the R34 GTR Skyline back in the day. And he also had a quite special Porsche that we can come back to uh, after that. So this trip uh, with us two to the Nordschleife really like affected me and was a big impact in what I'm going to do from here with my my cars and my hobby. So coming back from that trip, uh, the process started and uh, it ended up with buying a brand new M2. Um, then I got in 2017. And in May 17, I already took the first trip to the Nordschleife. Okay. Uh, I had had them two on a local track day first. The the car wasn't even run in yet, so <laughs> I run the car in on the track day. Okay. So I, I was quite eager to get down to the Nordschleife. Uh, the the car all, already got some mods uh, from the dealer with uh, both suspension and exhaust and some carbon and uh, everything. So taking out that brand new car and just straight to the track was uh, one in a lifetime experience, I think. And uh, coming down to Germany, uh, the Nordschleife with my own car and just getting out on track and taking in all of the experience was, uh, it's unbelievable. Uh, Then it's really, it's really like, uh, set what what I'm going to do for the next coming years. Well, yeah, you're setting you're setting the scene now. I mean, all of us want to go on Nordschleife. All of us want to, to drive that track, you know, safely as well. We want to drive it safely. I mean, we, <laughs> yeah. see, we see all the videos. We see all the videos online with all the incidents and the crashes and everything like that. Um, there is a guy that I used to watch. Uh, who has a really weird username on YouTube. I think it's dash dash dot slash slash or something, his username. And he's always, he's taking his GT3, I think it's a GT3 or GT3 RS, and he does track videos on, on Nordschleifer. And it's just, just watching him, it's just fantastic to watch, you know what I mean? And I always watch it and thinking, uh, uh, you know, I don't have the skill to drive that track. It just feels like one of those tracks where you have to have started somewhere else. Do you think that that's true, that your confidence by going to Nordschleife was because you had the track experience before? Yeah, of course, because the Nordschleife isn't a a place you want to start your track driving experience because the circumstances there is of a much bigger degree than on a local safe track. You you don't have any runoff zones. Uh, you don't have any insurance. Uh, it's on a local track, you can have 20, 30 cars around you, but on the Nordschleife, it's several hundred. So yeah. you really have to get to grips with what it's all about. And you have to follow um, the flow with the keeping to the right if you're slow you have to use your mirrors very intense in the start because the people that's coming from behind are very fast and they're they're coming past <laughs> yeah so yeah. so it's it's a big step but after a couple of trips uh, you get into it and you just enjoy it uh, and it gives you like a big adrenaline rush and that 
the place is not only the not only the like uh, track driving, but the whole place itself with the okay. aura and the yeah. Yeah. community. It's it's uh, it's best place at uh, in Earth at cars yeah. really. I know. Um, one day, one day I'll go there. One day I'll go there. I mean, I think every, yeah. all of us want to go there at least one day. So you've got this M2. You've got a brand new M2. <laughs> you take it to Nordschleifer. Yeah. You've obviously got the confidence on the track. How long was it before you, and I know what's coming next, and I, I, how long was it before you realized, okay, I love this M2, but it's just not enough. I need something better. How long, did, how long was it before that, that thought came into your mind? Two and a half years. Uh, two, two and a half years. Okay. Yeah, because then I've been driving them to a lot. I uh, drove it for thirty thousand kilometers, just summer driving and weekends uh, for the, those okay. years. That's a lot. And yeah, that's quite a lot. And I evolved it quite a lot with uh, changing out the suspension several times, uh, brake upgrades, brake cooling. Uh, Recaro pole position, cap twos, and okay. them two started to be very potent on track, but it also was a little bit too easy to drive and a little bit, it didn't have really its own character. So, so how many re- how many track days did you do in that car, you think, at, at North <laughs> Uh I just went there for the tourist driving. Okay. Uh, when the cars, uh, when the tracks open for everyone, but I think I had about six or seven trips down to the North Life. Okay. Yeah. So basically, you've got to that point, and I've had um, James from Melbourne uh, Porsche Platz on the podcast uh, owner stories way back, and he had the Cup cars, and he was driving yeah. a GT3, and then he bought the Cup car, you know, the 996 or 997 Cup car. Because basically yeah. he started out driving the car. Is that what happened to you? You've got the M2, your school level is getting better and you think, I need something, I need something, you know, that's going to test me more than this one. Is that what it was? Yeah, I wanted something more analog uh, yes. without driving aids and nannies. Uh, I really was looking for a pure uh, drive experience. and. Okay. After owning the M2 for a couple of years uh, from new, uh, it didn't get uh, worth anymore. So it just uh, seemed like the right time to uh, get into something that will keep its uh, value for the years to come. Okay, so we're in the BMW. You're in Germany. Um, yes. On the Nordschleife, there's obviously lots of Porsches driving around. There would be GT3 RSs, GT2 RSs. There'd be cup cars, I'm guessing. There'd be a lot of lot of cars going by you. So when do you decide, okay, I'm I'm going to I'm selling the the M2 and I'm going to buy a Porsche? How did that come about, and what did you start looking for in the beginning? I, I don't think I really was thinking about it, but me and my girlfriend back then now my wife we went out to her parents cabin for a weekend and as always going to cabin i i'm buying a couple of porsche magazines to have with me too because <laughs> of course <laughs> it's the only it's the only only place you have time to read car magazines these days yes. yeah and, yeah and it was total 911 magazine that had a gt3 uh an rs special 
Okay. Uh, it was Saturday in the cabin. It just came up to me that I have to sell them too. Okay. Uh, but I really didn't know what to buy. So uh, I had uh, had a look at the Norwegian uh, car sales sites just to see what's out there. But one thing for sure, I didn't want uh, a normal Porsche. I didn't want like a, a old one. I didn't want a Carrera or a Targa or okay. something like it had to be a GT product. Okay. And then I had to see what my funds were. Uh, so the search narrowed down to a 996 GT3. Okay. So did you did you consider the 997 GT3 or you just it was due to the cost of the cars in in Norway or you preferred the GT3, the more the rawness of the GT3, the earlier version. What was it that made you go towards the uh, the, the 996? Uh, if I could choose back then, I'm pretty sure I had gone for a 997 GT3 if I had the funds for it. But uh, it's quite a difference in value in uh, Norway uh, back then. It's yes. starting to get closer now. Yes. But my first GT3 driving experience was also my good friend with the, the Skyline and the BMW because okay. uh, in 2013 he bought an almost new back then 997 uh, Gen 2 GT3 RS 3.8. Oh, okay, very nice. Very very nice. And and of course this uh, was for everyone a quite special car back then yes. uh, the, the gray one with all the red details it's a perfect and, color uh, as well the perfect color uh, yeah, it's probably um, my that's my favorite color in that <laughs> in that generation i have to say um, yeah, so you drove that car john you drove that car and i had the opportunity to drive it and not uh, not having driven almost any Porsche until then, uh, except one, but that was just a 928S back in the days. Uh, so okay. that didn't make a big impact on me, yeah. but the GT3 RS really did so. It was uh, until then and many years after, uh, the top car in my memory. And uh, the Metzger engine, Revving to nine thousand almost, and uh, brutal analog feeling, manual, stiff suspension, everything. It's uh, that's because uh, my choice for a GT3 later was I wanted that feeling again, but okay. I hadn't the funds to go and buy myself a GT3 RS 997, so I had to find uh, that same feeling, but in my my price uh, in your budget yeah in your yeah. budget so yeah. so you started looking for 996s did you look for were you looking for the were you looking for um i want to get onto the fact where you introduce your car to the to the listeners but were you yeah. looking for for the uh, point 0.1 gt3 996 or were you looking for a point 0.2 or how did it come about so maybe we start maybe we just start like tell the listeners what you actually bought um and then I'll then we'll go into the the background of it. So, what did you yeah. end up finding, and what did you purchase? It's the whole process ended up with a bright speed yellow 
it was a little bit nervous because of my car was well known in the community of being hard driven at track. So, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, with my uh, my passion for keeping things neat, I uh, took the car down to him a couple of hours from where I live, and when he saw the car, he knew that it's no. It's no uh, big problem. The car was like new, even okay. with its reputation of being track driven. So it's a hard driven track car. So he took your car, it's in immaculate condition. So then you did a swap yeah. for extra cash for the GT3. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not, a, not a direct swap. <laughs> not a direct swap. <laughs> even, even though the GT3 back then was a 16 year old. Car, the almost new M2 uh, was had fallen in value pretty much. So yes, they it have. wasn't. It wasn't back then the I think the smartest uh, exchange because it cost me a lot of money. But I got into my dream car, and uh, now some years passed, uh, the values have really settled. And uh, well, I think you know it was the right thing to do because the thing is, you know, they're. Not many 996 GT3s come up for sale. I mean, no. maybe in the UK, I know in Australia, not very many. So not many come up for sale. A lot more people want the point two than the point one. even though some of the purists like the point one and the 996, as you know, some of the people like the, you know, the, entry, the first year of the 996 GT3. Um, we've all listened to that video on YouTube. I'm sure a lot of the listeners, and probably you have as well, John, where... Andreas, uh, Andy Prudinger is talking about, AP is talking about the 996 and he says the 996.2 is a better car than the 0.1, even though he was involved in the development of the 0.2, which is, could be the reason why he's saying it. But the 0.2 is, you know, is a better car. It is a more refined sort of car um, and completely different to the 997, apparently by all accounts, completely different. I've always liked the 996 GT3. I've spoken about it before and I missed out on one years ago and, you know, they're you know, it's still a car that I think about because I would like to get a GT3, as a lot of people know. I do like the 997 better for me. Um, yeah. But if a good 996.2 came up, I would not I would not discard it. I would still, you know, I would still really consider it. So this car that you bought, this car that you've you've taken ownership of, was it had it been modified in any way? Um, because I noticed the picture on your Instagram, the, the wing is not the standard wing, correct? So is, did that come like that from, from the guy that you purchased it from or did you add that later? Uh, the car that I found was uh, in very good condition. Um, it had not so many owners. Uh, being imported from Germany a couple of years back, uh, found its way through Norway, through Sweden. And each owner that... Have, own that car had really taken good care of it so it's it's almost 45 thousand kilometers uh okay the so, mileage so low mileage uh, very low mileage very low mileage for an old car um, had it but had it been used as a track car by the previous owners yeah but not so much it's been just been enjoyed at some few track days not being driven each weekend around so and a gt3 really can keep up with that kind of use so, so not not driven as hard as you drove the m2 no <laughs> <laughs> not, not for 16 years <laughs> that's good that's good good choice 
maybe in its early life, but that's almost uh, it's not easy to know now. But uh, it's been very well kept, and uh, the last owner and uh, the seller that I bought it from used a couple of years to just uh, just putting it to perfect condition. It did everything that he needed to do with it. Um, the 996 uh, Metzgers and also the 997 has a little fault with coolant pipes. Yes. So, yeah. So the engine went out and uh, they got welded and everything was upgraded. Uh, the engine went back in again with solid engine and gearbox gearbox mounts and uh, some upgrades to it. So the car is not original, but uh, it's very tastefully modified, I would say. So what were the key um, modifications then? I mean, the coolant the coolant issue, the coolant line issue, as you said, is a very important one, isn't it, for people who are looking at buying a GT3, whether it be a 996 or a 997. Because to do the coolant lines, and this, this that issue happened to Steve. I don't know whether you've heard that podcast when Steve had his 997 GT3 and it was dumping coolant and he had to get the yeah. coolant lines pinned. It's an expensive yep. fix because the engine has to be dropped. Um, he did this clutch at the same time, so it works out to be quite a lot of money. So if you're buying a GT3, it's probably one of the first things you should ensure has been done, right? Because you have to add that extra money into into the cost of your purchase. Yeah. Um, so what were the... What were the modifications that were that were done to the car? So before I got it, uh, the, everything with the engine. Uh, the engine also got uh, IPD plenum okay. and a bigger throttle body from the 997 GT3 RS 3.8. Okay. Yes, uh, it have a fully tubular uh, car graphic uh, stainless steel exhaust with race caps. <laughs> okay. Nice, <laughs> and uh, and with a little uh, tune, it pull, puts out about four hundred and twenty uh, brake horsepower uh, in a very light uh, Gen two nine and six. So, what is the base? What is the factory horsepower of the nine nine two point the nine nine six point two GT three? Three eighty one, and yours brings out how much? Sorry, was uh, around four twenty. Okay, so quite a lot more. Okay, yeah. And um, the gearbox uh, also uh, got upgraded with the gear console from also the 997 GT3 RS with the cup cables. Okay. So it's a really nice short uh, throw on the gear stick. And uh, then we can move to the suspension. Where so this was he, all, sorry, John, this was all done by yeah. the previous owner. This was all done yeah. by the previous owner. Okay. Yeah, because he had the cars in small bits and uh, just put back the things he wanted and uh, did all the upgrades at one time okay. just to make the perfect spec all right uh, 996 gt3 and the suspension what did he do to the suspension uh he changed all the suspension arm to cup ones so they are adjustable and uh, the car is running almost three degrees negative camber all around okay and uh, everything's solid mounted and uh, rose pushed and uh, it's uh, adjustable like uh, link rods and everything so okay and everything is held up by Erlin's rod and track coilovers beautiful 
So uh, it's quite a direct driving experience with uh, how the car is set up and with the suspension geometry. So the, the Olins, the Olins Road and Track, they're quite superior, aren't they? They're quite a. I mean, I've I always look at KW and 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 Bilstein and whatever, but the Olins Road and Track are, are I think more expensive, aren't they? They're almost they're quite expensive for the the whole system. It's quite expensive, but I had just on the M2, I had KW Club okay. Sports, and uh, I think it's about the same level, uh, okay. really. But uh, it all depends on how they are spec to the car and uh, how well they are uh, set up on the actual car. Right. Because right. You, you have so many, like, Think you can adjust with the bumper and rebound setting and everything and the springs. So it's all the base mm. coilover kit is. I think it's about the same quality and uh, and everything. But it's all about how it's set okay. up and. Uh, yeah. So the important thing is having someone in your area that does, who knows how to set it up properly. Who knows how to yeah. set it up for your driving style? So, who do you you have someone in Norway that's that has set your car? Like, did you get the the, the suspension tuned, finely tuned, and adjusted once you once you purchased the car? Did you get it fixed up to the way you like to drive and the way the feel that you want? Uh, I haven't touched the uh, setup at all. Uh, okay, but uh, this winter I changed out the wheels on the cars on the car, so I. I Gone and bought myself uh, a set of BBS E88s. Uh, I, I saw those on your Instagram. They look very, very nice. They're, they're very expensive. They're very expensive wheels, aren't they? Those wheels. Uh, I don't want to talk about. It. <laughs> yeah, I, know, I was going to say that. <laughs> when I saw I saw that picture the other day, and I thought that's a that's a that's a very nice gift to yourself. The BBS yeah, E88. Yeah. Buying such a perfect spec. GT3, it's uh, it's not a lot of things you want to mess with uh, that will make the car more personal or it's, it's sometimes ending up being a not so good product uh, all in all. So you really have to think well through your mods uh, on a car like that. And the only thing I really could do with it was changing the wheels to something else. Uh, I, I, I love the original wheels also, but the only wheel you can put on a car like that in my eyes is the E88s. And, uh, okay. So since you've owned the, so that's the major modification you've done to the car. You've just literally changed the wheels because everything else was pretty much perfect yeah there's not yeah. really anything else you had to add so let's go let's let's talk about the wheels then the 996.2 gt3 wheels the gt3 wheels uh is a really nice wheel you know it's a nice yeah. shape wheel i prefer the 0.2 wheel on the 996 and i do the 0.1 personally but what was the downside of that wheel now that you've got the new um the new bbs wheels what was the downside of the of the factory wheel the weight or was it more than that <laughs> No, no, the wheel is pretty light, but it's something about, um, for me, it's something about the appearance on the car and looking at the car so many times. Uh, and in the end, you want to change something to make it appear on 
in a different way and always wanted these wheels since the BMW <laughs> days also yeah, and yeah. finally finally ha having the chance to afford them I, I go 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 and bought myself the dream spec wheels so I bought them completely new from BBS Motorsport and in a in a slightly custom spec so because the original mm -hmm. wheels yeah the original wheels really don't fill the arches uh, the perfect way then you have to add spacers and I really don't like adding spacers to a performance car yeah true true so then I have to alter the spec on the 88s a little bit to really make them fill up the arches uh, perfect I mean they so, look they really do look it, they really do look fantastic and I just have to mention as well uh, your number plate <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I just saw it. I didn't, you know, I've, I've looked at your Instagram so many times, John, and I've just, your number plate is very, very cool. The Metzger number plate. Very, very cool. That's my latest. <laughs> That's your latest? How did latest you find that number plate? I know we're still talking about, I want to still go talk about the wheels yeah. first though, because there's a couple of other yeah. things I want to talk about. So you get the, yeah. you get those, the iconic wheels, the wheels we all love, you know, yeah. uh, the BBS wheels. So then, what tires do you put on them? Because you have to change the tires. So, are you getting stickier tires, or are you getting what? What tires did you end up buying for those wheels? In my eyes, it's only one wheel that fits the GT trees, and that's Michelin Cup Twos. So, okay, I have I have, I have Cup Twos on the original wheels, and the, the new E88s also get uh, Cup Twos. So, it's uh, only Cup Two. <laughs> <laughs> they really, um, those wheels though, they really do look great in the wheel arch, don't they? They really do yeah. um, fit the, suit the car. Um, and when you see it in motion on the track, like the photo that you've got just recently on the, I can't pronounce the circuit, Val, Valbenen's <laughs> racing circuit. You know, it's a great, yeah. it's a great motion shot. So everyone should go and check out John's um, Instagram. Um, what about the wing though? Tell me about the wing on the GT3. What wing is that? Because I've... It, like I said before, it's not a stock wing. So what is that? What is that wing? Is that like a GT3 RS wing or? Yeah, it's um, it's not stock for GT3, but uh, the trunk lid uh, on the GT3 and the GT3 RS is the same. So you can just change out the wing blade to the RS one in in fully carbon. So and it's also adjustable. So it's set to the max uh, angle. Okay, so it's the GT3 RS Porsche wing. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. I thought it was. It look it looks great. It looks really really good. Okay, so uh, sorry, go ahead. Uh, and also the front bumper is also um cup MR bumper with vents because in the 996.2 you don't have any vents original in the bumper. So that's a cup one, and the lower lip is also a cup lip that I've added. So, yeah, so it has more of an angle, doesn't it? The rubber has more of a, yeah, it's a different it's, shape, isn't it? Yeah, it's a different yeah, shape. Um, lower, lower all around. So, okay, so you ch that's what you've changed since you purchased it. You've changed the front, or it came like that from the previous owner? Uh, the front uh, he added, and the cup lip I've, I've put it on. So, okay. Okay. Just my just my small touches. Uh, yeah, it's nice. Like, I mean, like 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 the number plates. Yeah, the number plate. How did you get that number plate? It must have cost. <laughs> don't tell me how much it cost you. But it, it must have cost you a fortune for that plate. Seriously, 
I can't believe uh, this is what I find amazing, John. I can't believe that that plate was still available, unless you purchased it from someone else at a very high price. I can't believe that that plate was still available. No, in in Norway, you, you can't. Uh, if someone else have the plate, you can't uh, change it or sell it or buy it oh, from. Oh, okay. Uh, no, so it's uh, from a couple of years back. Personal plates in Norway was uh, finally uh, something you could have. Uh, so you have to you have to search for exactly what you want. Uh, the The number or name can only have seven digits. Okay. And uh, I, of course, I have to search in for Metzger because uh, with Hans Metzger. Um, Going away last year, and yes. uh, his his like uh, his history and reputation in Porsche Motorsport, and with the engine in the GT3s uh, being named after him, uh, just think it was a nice fit for my car. So, and I've typed in Metzger and pushed go, and it was free. It was free. Uh, so, Fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Fantastic, and it looks. But it, it was. It wasn't for free, but uh. yeah. no, it looks it looks great on it looks great on your GT3. It really does look great. I mean, like you said, very fitting because Hans Matzka passed away just recently, um, last yeah. year. So yeah, no, very very cool, very very cool. So what else are you planning? Is there anything else you're planning to add to your to your GT3? Is there anything else you'd like to to tweak? Not really. It's uh, it's starting really to settle in on me with the spec and condition and everything. Uh, the inside also is uh, exactly how I want it. I know you and Steve always doing this small projects with uh, uh, getting... P- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because you don't get your parts. So you order them, but they never arrive. It's but, funny. Uh, it's the car is all... Sorry, Steve and I were just talking about fire extinguishers. Now he wants to get another fire extinguisher yeah. and a fire extinguisher mount. But all these things, they seem to take time and working out exactly how to do it and the right size fire extinguisher that fits into the right size, you know, Ren line mount and which one you can buy and everything like that. So little yeah. things seem to take a long time to work out. I notice you've just got the factory fire extinguisher, right, which is on the driver's, the passenger side um, footwell. Yeah, that's, that's, the, that's a good bonus of getting a... Uh, factory club sport because you get all the nice parts for free uh so it got it got the nomex uh buckets it got the six point uh Schrott harnesses it yes. got uh, fully caged so it also got the bars for the front um, yes so tell me the, about sorry john tell me about the steering wheel was the steering wheel uh was on the car when you purchased it because obviously it's not the stock steering wheel and did the owner did the previous owner fit that and the steering wheel was um not on the car when i bought it but um it's something he um sent with the car that he had uh, bought from years back so that's uh uh 993 uh, gt2 uh, steering wheel, uh, okay. also the same steering wheel that you find in the 996 uh, cup cars back then. Oh, so it's okay. uh, it's original Momo course uh, yes. Porsche Motorsport uh, Alcantara deep dish steering wheel. So 
uh, and that changing that steering wheel from the original one really changed the whole feel of driving it because you get get the steering wheel close up to you and uh, it's really a good fit. So, so it so it sits closer to your chest and it's yeah. A, and it's so, the same so, diameter as the previous wheel. Like, is it thicker or is it thinner? It's uh, about same diameter, but. Uh, when I first collected the car uh, in August in 19, um, only five days later, I was on track the first time. Uh, and then the car had the original steering wheel in the airbag. And I really couldn't, uh, I, I don't know if it was the steering wheel or the distance uh, or the angle, or I didn't really get a good feel for the car. So. Okay. So when I went for the next track day, I had changed the wheel and uh, the car just fit like a glove to drive. It was the perfect angle. Uh, my hands were at the right place and you felt perfect control of the car and feel for it. So tell me, talking about the feel of the car, tell me about the track day experience in your 996.2 GT3 compared to... I mean, compared to the M2, completely different car. But how did it how did it feel when you when you became comfortable with the GT3 on a track that you'd taken the M2 M2 on as well? How how was the difference? How big a difference was it? It's two different worlds of uh, track driving because uh, if you take the M2 first, it's a very capable car. Uh, it's it's new. It's uh, got all the electric aids uh, you need and want. Um, can you turn, sorry, John, can you turn the all the aids off in the M2 or some of them are always on? You can turn them completely off. Okay. But uh, when you drive faster track, you always want some kind of uh, system that's lying uh, behind you to take care of it if you're really stepping over the limit but uh, the nice thing in the m2 was the sport plus mode because then you had the auto blip uh, when you're okay. down changed into the corner and of course that's something you don't have on an old gt3 so then it was to uh, start practicing the heel and toe. <laughs> it's, not, it's not so easy. Have you mastered it? Have you mastered the heel and toe? It's, it's not so easy, is it? It's not so easy, but uh, in that car, it's it's made for it. Uh, the okay. pedals are just put in the right place. And uh, after a couple of uh, rounds, you really get into the flow. And that's the big uh, thing with the GT3 is that it's, it's giving you so much more back when okay. driving it than the M2. The M2 was fast; it was fun, okay. but it wasn't. It wasn't so difficult to make it all come together. The GT3, you really have to, uh, to take care of it. Um, you have to be the one that drives the car. Uh, it's no nannies. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's no yeah. help. If you go over the limits, you're off uh, and. The car has such huge mechanical grip that uh, this point of uh, no return is uh, on a big, big edge. So uh, 
it's so have you been in any trouble so far since you've had the gt3 on the track have you had the situation where you've almost lost it or everything's been okay so far not really you you have a couple of slides here and there but uh having driven uh, cars for so many years and a lot of the, a lot of the cars uh, rear wheel drive uh, a little slip here and there doesn't put me out so uh, and i think with the experience with the m2 also made the, made a good train training for going into a gt3 just to getting known, known to the track driving first and then uh, when the track driving was uh, feeling okay getting into a car that uh, demands a lot of more attention of you when driving it. So so you wouldn't you wouldn't recommend to listeners who are listening thinking, okay, I've listened to John's story and I'm going to go and buy a 996 and start doing track days. <laughs> would you say it's best <laughs> would you say it's best to start further down the scale like start on something like an M2 or a Boxster or something like that just get your skills together first? I don't think uh if you haven't got any experience, I don't think you should take your first track day in an analog old GT3. Okay. Uh, but it's a car that uh, it's you really feel as soon as you're out on track that it, this is what it's made for. That's the big difference of yeah. the GT3 and the M2. Good the, point. The M2. Good point. The, M, the M2 is a, a fast road car but the gt3 is a road legal track car yeah good point actually good point actually someone sent me a message um yesterday and said that they didn't agree with me that the new gt3 i i said i think i said or steve and i said that it was just too too track focused too motorsport you know where they sort of they just gone a little bit further along the line you know what i mean um, and someone reminded me that that's what the GT3 is all about. And, you know, I agree. The GT3 is about the track. But I think with the new GT3, and I don't know what your thoughts are about it, John, but I think with the new GT3s, Porsche has, you know, their their models. You know what I mean? And the GT3 is here and the GT3 RS is here, etc. But now it feels yeah. like they've moved the GT3 even further away from all these other people. It's almost like they want... It's almost like they're trying to make it more exclusive, the GT cars. It's almost like they're trying to make it more, you know, enthusiast, more, you know, where you do actually take it to the track. I think that's what I was trying to say. It's not, it's not so much just for people driving around the street. It really has become, even this new generation, even more so, more just this is meant to be on the track. Yeah, it's you're absolutely right. And uh, the new newer GT products are really stepping up the game and uh, but that's really not something i need to scratch because uh, my old gt3 really gives me everything i want in a car uh, and after having a couple of track days now in the car i also found out that that's really not what the car for me because uh, it's, it's starting to age uh, the GT3 and it's in such great condition so I'm not going to run this down on track uh, the whole summer I'm just going yeah. to take a track day now and then to enjoy it and really get the feel for what it's it's meant for and uh, and the rest of the time uh, it's all about enjoying the car on uh, early morning drives and drive outs and uh, just Fantastic. 
yeah, the recreation part of it. Have you taken it to Germany? No, because uh, this thing happened in March uh, yeah, last so year. Much, yeah. <laughs> but you plan, you plan to go to Nordschleife. You plan to take it on the track. Yeah, in, in, yeah okay. That, that was be... the big. That was really the big dream when buying my own GT3. Because being mm. down in Germany the last couple of years and looking at hundreds of GT3s that's, and uh, yeah. RSs. Yeah, that's where you're going to notice the difference, John. That's where you're not going to be on the right-hand side. You're going to be the car coming through on the left-hand side now in the GT3. <laughs> we, we can only hope, but uh, <laughs> I think I think actually my my um, in my M2 I was uh, I got quite used to the car and the track um, in the later part of it, and uh, I was uh, having pretty nice uh, fast laps so going back to germany in the gt3 now i don't think i will surpass the m2 times <laughs> okay. in uh, in the first part because okay a local track uh, pretty flat uh, is something in a gt3 to get to grips with uh, fast but coming down to the Nordschleife with the uh, 300 meters of elevation uh, change and it's so many corners it's so many so many bumps and small small parts of the track you really have to consider uh, when you come come to them and uh, so going down to germany with the g23 i just think that's going to be for pleasure and experience not yeah. not uh, like lapping the fastest times or setting a new record like it's it just going to be uh, feeling that car where it was made so yeah. understandable understandable so now you've got the 996 gt3 you've had it since 2019 right 2019 you purchased the car um yeah, correct so are you is there any other is this the car you drive daily or you have another car you drive daily obviously you don't drive this every day this is your still your special car right yeah uh, no this is uh, kept inside six months of the year so yes, yeah. uh, and i only drive it for weekends and trips and track days okay. uh, and uh, a little trip here and there uh, in the summer but uh, we have a family car it's a skoda and that's uh, really uh, does everything it should uh, do as a family car and and uh, Half of my time, I usually live in my work van, uh, yes. uh, Mercedes Vito. Uh, uh, so that's also what's so nice about the G3. It's a big contrast to yeah, what I an, drive uh, normally. It's an occasion, isn't it? It's a special occasion. It really does. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. I, think, I think any 911 really is a special occasion. If you haven't driven one before and you get in one or you haven't been in your car for a long time, I know with me. It feels like a special occasion, but a GT3 is a different level. Um, so, are there any other are there any other 911s you'd like to purchase? Is there anything else you'd like to add to your Porsche collection, or is is the GT3 enough for for the time being? I really think I have found the car for me. Uh, I, I know I have said that before with the, <laughs> the no, but, different, mm. different cars, but uh, I think really this car is, car is something I can have for many years and just enjoy and just take care of and uh, keeping it mint and uh, in good nick because uh, it's the step up from 
the 996 to the next car on my list is just a huge leap because um, then we're going back to the Gen 2 997 GT3 RS 3.8. Yeah. yeah, which are getting uh, more and more expensive. Yeah, and that's soon the double price and value of my car and yeah. i don't really think it's worth the no i don't think money. so i don't think no. so i think you best to keep yours yeah, i mean yours so is only going to appreciate i mean that we all know how popular the 996 is becoming the fact that 996 carreras have become so popular because people can get into them all the prices are going up it everything at the top of that 996 generation is even looking even more special you know from turbos up to gt3s to gt2s I mean, GT2 still being very underpriced for what they are. I know they were hard to drive, but they're still very underpriced. Um, so you've got a great, you've got a great 911. You really do. I don't think you need to change it. That's for sure. Oh, something quite special is I have to happen if I'm going to change it to something else because yeah. it's it suits my my life and my economy and uh, and I don't think I will find such a good example of any gt3 of uh, the older models so yeah good point. Uh, i think i think i really was lucky finding that car first try uh, and uh, yeah. it's my first first porsche so it's uh, maybe my last one also that's good john i mean it's a great story i mean you you've made your way up you know you you've you've had that passion for for cars you've had that passion for driving on the track uh, you know, you've, you've, you've honed those skills of driving on the track and then you've ended up with the GT3, the 911, you know, the 996, one of the pinnacles of the GT cars. Um, I think you've, you know, you've, you've done well. I mean, a really good story. Really, really nice to hear your story. And I think the listeners will be, will be saying the same um, once, this, uh, once, we're, once this goes live. Um, so what I was going to say is uh, I always like to ask the question because we've actually gone a little bit over today. I always like to keep these podcasts to about one hour. <laughs> we've actually you and i have actually somehow i've just looked at the time we've actually been talking for yeah. an hour and a half so yeah, i hope all I, the told li- you, I told you <laughs> i hope all the listeners are still here because uh, I, I know that people have a, a in their head one hour is like the, their maximum time they can listen um but it's a great story and i'm sure they still are yeah. listening but let let's just go back to the favorite road thing because i always like to ask this as, yeah. as an ending question um because you know we ought when we can travel again and when we can go to norway or, or if it's somewhere near norway what is the road that you say to someone if you've got a 911 or you've hired a 911 or you've got your sports car what is the road uh in your region or that you would that you say you definitely have to drive a 911 on or you have to drive your car on if you come to norway uh it's really one place you have to visit and that's a it's a long journey from where i'm living but uh, we did it two years ago in the m2 uh, and that's going over the mountain to the western part of norway and driving the legendary uh, roads of uh, trollstigen and okay. uh, Gairangir, and uh, you start you start a trip coming over a mountain, and you go to 1500 meters over sea level, uh, and just driving turns, 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 turns the whole way down with amazing scenery. So fantastic! And that's also I heard uh, on another podcast, Road to Redline, uh, yes. Lee Sibley. Um, editor of Total 911 had has made that trip before, and he also uh, mentioned that that's the one trip he can really uh, think about doing again. And 
want Fantastic. other people to also experience. Great tip. Thanks, John. That's that's a great tip. So everyone remember that one. Um, yeah. All right. Well, I think we're at the end. Um, once again, I really want to say thank you for coming on. And I also want to say thank yeah. you because, uh, you know, the listeners should know that uh, John just joined Porsche Code Exclusive as well. So he's supporting the podcast. Um, so thank you for that, John. I really appreciate it. You you really deserve the, all the contribution we can give because uh, what you are doing to the Porsche community is quite quite special. And uh, it's it's the actually the it's where I found you the first time because uh, right after I bought the car, I I just uh, were a period coming into podcasts and uh, I had the search on Spotify for 996 GT3 and uh, oh, okay. <laughs> one of your er- early episodes. F- the first one where I was talking to by myself, that would probably would have been a very, very early one, yeah. was it? Yeah, yeah. And, and, and that's that's how I found you the first time and since I've been listening for all the episodes and the owner stories and uh, and finally I had the courage to send you a message and uh, and asking to maybe attend myself and uh, yeah I'm glad you did and this is what I always say to everyone I know there's a lot of people who who come on owner stories and afterwards they say I was a little bit hesitant you know I've had you know I, I recorded someone the other day as well who they said they were really nervous afterwards I, after I spoke to them they said they're really nervous and it's like you know we all have this passion you know it's easy just to come on the podcast and chat you know what I mean like it's a it's a great thing to come on and chat and I always say you know John I I, I never thought that owner stories would get so popular like and and it's been great for me because I'm you know talking to other owners and I'm learning things along the line along the way um, and, and you know, and finding out about other cars and other people's story, and, and I know the listeners love it. The listeners really love these stories, and I know they're going to really enjoy yours. I really do know they're going to enjoy yours. Um, you've got a great 911, you know, speed yellow, Steve's favorite color. Um, you know, I I haven't always liked the yellow, but I can, you know, when I see your car, it's just, you know, it's fantastic. I mean, there's there's two speed yellow 911s that I really like at the moment, and it's yours. And there's another guy in Thailand that has a uh, 911, uh, I think it's just a Carrera with a roof box on the top and he's got the black sport classic wheels and it just looks, the speed yellow just looks fantastic in in 996s and 997s. But I really appreciate you coming on, John. Um, Like I said, we're recording this on a Sunday, so thanks for taking the time out uh, on on your Sunday afternoon and, and chatting with me. It's been fantastic. Yeah, thank you, Michael. Okay, thanks so much, John. All right, everyone, that was uh, John coming in from Norway with his very, very beautiful 996.2 GT3 Speed Yellow. Uh, I'll put John's link to his Instagram in this podcast, so make sure you go over and say hello and follow him. And that's about it. Thanks for listening. Bye for now. <laughs>